hiya guys and welcome back to the Average Pundits podcast, your home of all things Premier League. As always, I'm joined by Reese, and we have got a very exciting podcast today. Uh, we are joined by the deputy editor of Guardian Sport, Mr. Ed Ahrens. How are you doing, Ed? Very good, thanks. Nice to be here. How are you? Very good, thank you. We've been looking forward to this for quite a while. Um, if you're regular um, tuners into the podcast, everyone listening, um, we often have guests on here talking about football and giving their opinions on, on, on what it means to be a football fan and their you know, opinions of the club. But Reese, we've been really excited for this episode, haven't we? Absolutely. It's not every day that you get to speak to the deputy uh, head of a, of, of a well-established news organisation. So uh, the pleasure's all ours here at The Average Pundit. So it's, it's great to have you here, Ed. Well, can I, I should point out, I'm not actually deputy sports editor. I am deputy news editor. So yeah. I just, just in case anyone like, but yeah, still, I have worked there for like six years. So, but yeah, it's a player. No, like, it's, it's, I like to speak to uh, up and coming journalists and, you know, give, try and, uh, you know, help out when I can. So it's, it's good to be here. That's absolutely brilliant to have you on. And going into, obviously, myself and Reese, we are both journalism students at the University of Worcester. So, I mean, to start this off, it would be amazing to pick your brain a bit and, and talk about really what got you into journalism. Yeah, I think, uh, well, it's quite, I'm quite lucky. I was talking to a teenage guy, I know, the other day, actually, about this. Like, I knew when I, was, when I was quite young what I wanted to do, really. And it was really, to be honest, I think a lot of people are like this. I, I wanted to be a footballer. And wasn't good enough, basically. <laughs> and uh, thought this is a good, another good way of, you know, carrying on being involved in football uh, without. I still, you know, I played throughout my. I've only just kind of stopped playing. I didn't play to a very high level or anything, but you know, I've always loved playing it more than anything, to be honest. So that was really my the root of yeah, where where it came from. But I've, over the years, I kind of got more and more interested in writing I've always read a lot of books and stuff as well so and then history I did history degree which was kind of designed to you know to do journalism really football journalism that was the whole point of it and it's really helped actually to you know when you're researching uh for stories and especially sort of you know historical things and uh you know uh it, it gives you a good head start I think to do that to do that sort of thing so yeah and uh I've really enjoyed it so far of my career. It's, it's quite hard, what you know. You have to work hard, and but you get your rewards if you if you put the hours in. I think. No, definitely. I mean, we know. Um, I, th I think as as good as any student at the moment that the, the journalism kind of job market is extremely. You know, it's difficult to break into, but I feel like you know, someone like yourself, you've you've worked for previous organisations, like the BBC and Sky. You, you've you've had both had experiences with. Um, do you feel that you know this kind of other experience before? building up to the Guardian now has helped you quite vastly along the way getting experiences for loads of different organizations yeah definitely it really helps to sort of try and in my early career I've moved around quite a lot and I think a lot of people do because you don't it's well one it's hard to get any security you know to get a job uh, especially mm -hmm. in these, these times it's even harder now unfortunately but to get a job on the desk is really like permanent job is, is really tough and it's uh, you know but the good thing is these days there is a lot more, there are a lot of different avenues open because when I, when I started, it was very traditional. The internet was only really starting out, making me seem really old. And there wasn't, you know, there wasn't the pathway of, for, for young journalists to like, well, they were starting to, you, you could get into it through a blog eventually, but now it's, that's really big. You can, you can, you know, make a lot of money out of, you can have a career out of just having a blog and, you know, or, or a YouTube channel and things like that. So that's really, that's encouraging for sort of future generations. Yeah. But, in terms of myself yeah definitely 
working for different organizations and it also you know sky worked in tv for a couple of years which was very interesting to see how that is different from you know print media which is what i've worked in traditionally over most of my career um and uh yeah it sort of certainly like set me up for for where i am now i think yeah definitely I mean, it's amazing having someone on this who's breaking some of the most amazing you know transfer stories definitely i mean this around this time it's always very exciting as a football fan seeing you know who's going where and when and how it's going to benefit your club so we'll definitely build on to talk about that a little bit later but we also know that you are a massive fan of african football as you are the author of a, a, a book a fed recently published made in africa um we'd love to hear a little bit more about that i mean you spent two years yourself in south africa yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, I went to just after Sky. Actually, I, I uh, took a bit of a risk because, I, to be honest, I didn't really enjoy it that much at Sky because it was just my personal opinion. I, you know, this is the the other side of the glamour of uh, sports journalism and transfers. You know, I was having to get up at two o'clock in the morning to go to start a shift at three three a.m. and work till midday. And then, you know, people still do that. And uh, I did it for a couple of years, but I just couldn't really handle it, to be honest. And I, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get, I wanted to pursue my love of African football really that was one of the main reasons I left and the, the World Cup in South Africa was happening and uh, so it was a, yeah it was a good chance to go over there and and see uh, the first African World Cup and then since then yeah I've, like you say I've continued my interest in that and my book uh, Made in Africa the history of African players in English football came out in the first of June so uh, and it's been really exciting a couple of months just to see you know the reaction to people and it's I think it's a story that needed to be told really because it's you know especially in the you know the last season the season before we had so many influential African players you look at Liverpool and Salah and Mane and obviously Aubameyang at the FA Cup final last week and uh, yeah. it's uh, but the, the book is not just about the modern generation it's about who came before them and, and who kind of set the 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 scene for them allowed these modern players to, to flourish and some of the stories unfortunately are not are not you know uh, that easy to read I think because you know there's a lot of racism that they had to endure and things like that and uh, mm. but hopefully yeah it's going to bring some of those stories to light as well that, that people don't know a lot about. Yeah I definitely think it would be interesting to, to hear that kind of um like backstory because I mean a, a lot of it is what we know on the pitch we, we tune in every week and we see these players go on the pitch and we enjoy their talents and especially if we're fans of the club we get to read the benefits of the goals and, and, and the assists and all the, everything we see but we don't know too much about the backstory a lot of the time so I think it's, it's really interesting that you've been able to bring a lot of these stories to light um, but Reese, we were talking just before this podcast weren't we about some of our favorite influential players that have played in, in the league that have come from the continent of Africa yeah, absolutely, and and you know, looking in, inside your book, you know, I, I do recommend a, a lot of people. Go, I, I mean, everyone, in fact, going and picking up, you know, made in Africa. It's you know available anywhere you can go and uh, go and buy your your books wherever you can you can go. And one of the stories I actually found really impactful was uh, Albert Johansson, who was the first black player to play in FA Cup history. And you give a lot of backstory of of that, you know, his day there. And uh, I mean, look. For the, for the entire book, what was the sort of like main message that you were trying to portray releasing this book? Yeah, really, I just wanted to explain what some of these guys like Albert, who you mentioned there, who, uh, you know, had absolutely tragic ends to his life where he was, um, his body wasn't discovered for five days in a, in a flat in Leeds, uh, where in a city where he was persecuted by the police 
and where he was like you know where he a few twenty years earlier he'd been he'd been starring for their team uh, you know the, the town's uh, sorry the city's team a very famous team you know in the cup final under Don Revy and uh, yeah really it's just an exo- him as an example of some of the things they had to go through and and that's like right up to the modern day as well uh, you know uh, some of the stories that I think I was, at the start of the book I have an interview with Jurgen Klopp. And obviously Liverpool have had a heavy influence of, of African players. And he, he, the way he explains it is really is quite good, I think, is that African players have this have uh, a story behind them, is the way he puts it. And it's, you know, they've had to overcome incredible odds to make it to the top, not just even when it, back in the day with Alfie Hansen, but today with, with Mane, who had to travel over, you know, he ran away from home, basically, to... To, to become a footballer and pursue his dream, and then ten years later wins the European Cup. You know, so it's yeah, it gives the I think it gives African players an edge in in uh, in Europe because they've they've had to fight so hard to get there, really. And that's that was really the main message of the book, like uh, that it's not easy, but these guys are incredibly talented, and uh, you know, they're making they're making people take take notice of that. Absolutely. Definitely. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, players like Mane and uh, those that have had to come over, you know, through all these, tri- you know, the trials and tribulations of coming through and, yeah, they've got everything against them as well. Uh, I just wanted to actually, you know, propose this towards you. Um, so on this, you know, on this podcast, we cover mainly the Premier League. Uh, and I would just like to, you know, get your opinions and try and see who would you say are some of the best uh, African players that have played inside of the Premier League, maybe like a, a top five uh, of your like preferences or like personal uh, list of, of top five African players to have played in the Premier League. Yeah, I have I've had to I've had to do this a couple of a couple of times, and I've, I've tried to do it myself on. I think someone did it on Twitter just just before my book came out. Even the top yeah. ten is really hard. Yeah, but in my in my personal ones, I, I I think a lot of people won't remember some of these guys, uh, but. Um, in Premier League, anyway, era, it's got to be Peter Unlove. It's got to be in there. He was the first. He was from, uh, from Zimbabwe, and oh, sure. um, was an absolutely brilliant player for Coventry. Um, <clears throat> scored a hat trick at Anfield uh, <laughs> for, for Coventry, which sounds mad now, doesn't it? But uh, yeah. he did. Anyway, and then uh, for, so Tony Yaboa. It's also got to be in there for Leeds, I think. Um, yeah. Also, I think if and Lucas Redavy would have to be in there. They're both, you know, starred for Leeds for different reasons. But like, I love strikers because that's where I used to play as a player. And Yaboa is just amazing. If you get a chance to see any of his goals on YouTube or something against Liverpool and Wimbledon, it was in like the space of like I think it was a week or five, three, three or four days. He scored these two amazing goals, uh, and everyone remembers. It. And it was really. Uh, at the time, you know, you have to remember there was hardly any African players in the league and it was really made an impact. I was like sort of 14, 15 or something and that's what everyone was trying to do in the playground the next day was trying to be above. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's got to be in there for that reason. And then I think, uh, I just, I really like all the modern players like Salah and Mane, so, but it's hard to ignore people like Drogba, obviously, and, and, and Yaya Torre and Riyad Mahrez as well, who was the first African to win the PFA Player of the Year. Which was a, bit, a big moment for African football. You think of you know people like Drogba, never won that, or Yaya Torre never won that, which was you know questionable why they didn't. But um, now yeah. I think uh, well there's been uh, Salah's also won it, and uh, I think Mane was probably quite close this year, but obviously Jordan Henderson 
won it. So yeah, there's sorry, there's so many to mention. Like, yeah, it's really hard to put it in the top five. Uh, it's definitely one, one, hard. Just one other one I'd like to mention, which is again probably before your guys' time and a, few, a lot of people's, but Christopher Ray, who was the first um, African player to win the Premier League. And he played for Arsenal and was from Liberia. Mm. Um, and he escaped mm. from, a, from the Civil War, basically. So he, he yeah. was he's a real personal player. He was only around for a few months, really, at Arsenal, but had quite a big impact there. So, uh, yeah, he, he'd have to be mentioned too. Yeah, I mean, to come out of Liberia and a country that's you know so 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 ravaged and come out and, and and make it to the top you know so some of these some of these guys have got some absolutely incredible stories you know like probably like cinematic things you, you'd want to see on the screen um, yeah absolutely i think there's all uh, for, I, and the thing is in the book you know i only had a limited amount of time it's a snapshot of some of their stories like for instance a really early chapter steve mcconey who played also played copper commentary but was in the 50s i mean you could you could definitely make a film out of his life because he ended up in prison in America and um, you know it, it, just unbelievable story if you delve into it uh, which uh, I did for quite a long time which I was working on that that particular chapter for, for a long time you know going back to the, the history stuff that we were talking about at the beginning that was really useful for like reading sources and things like that so yeah absolutely yeah. There's, there's there's loads there and I think uh, I'm sure uh, actually Sadio Mane's just had a film that, that came out it's a documentary which is I'd really recommend it's called uh, Made in Senegal mm. which uh, is really insightful and uh, it just shows you what kind of person he is as well he's like really humble um, and uh, you, yeah you, you it, it's quite hard to not like Sadio Mane even if you don't support Liverpool yeah, it's, some of these, some of these guys, you just come with with such a humble attitude. You, you, you when when you have your favorite players, you want to think that your favorite players are humble and stuff. But when you actually see it translated on the screen, or when you see interviews and stuff, and you, you hear about some of the stuff they're doing behind the scenes, it always kind of, as a football fan, it's nice to hear. Isn't it? it always kind of like thinks that although football is a business with so much money involved, but there there are good guys that are up at the top as well, which is amazing to see. Yeah, and these guys, I think they have uh, African players, just to say, have have an extra. You know, they have an extra connection with their where they're from because mm. they they know what they understand what <laughs> what is required really, and that no one else is going to do it for them. So they have to take on this role, which is quite incredible if you compare it. Not to like do down some you know English players and stuff because they also give a lot of money to charity, you know, and mm. and, and do lots of things for the community that don't get reported. So, but I think the African players really have this sense of like you know they have to give back to their communities yeah no definitely i think at the moment i think some of the ones that are definitely on my radar if you're talking current premier league obviously pierre emerick Aubameyang is is obviously world class i mean we, we saw that in the, in the fa cup and he's absolutely incredible player but also i think my personal favorite at the moment i'd love to know your opinion on this guy would probably be lester's wilfred and Didi. I'm. I, th I think as a player, I think he is absolutely phenomenal, and I think he is. He's almost criminally underrated. I think if he was doing this at a Man City or 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 a Liverpool or a United, I feel like the the press and and and, and the coverage that he would get would be a lot higher. But um, as a you know a, a CDM, I'd like to know what you think about him. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I think he he had the injury problems that he had were real reason for Leicester not quite making it, which was an amazing effort that they. You know, even to come fifth was brilliant, but and also Pereira missing was, was Ricardo Pereira was a big, big miss for them. But yeah, I think indeed he, it might have done Leicester a favour in that he he didn't have the best end to the season, having been amazing, and you know even the season before he was really good. 
so that might st and also the current climate means that you know they would want a lot of money for him and i just think he probably is going to stay i don't know he, he could move but i agree i think he's good enough to play at the very top level and uh you know he's a good example of how african clubs are kind of missing out on some of the transfer fees because he, he was sold to Genk, uh, Genk for not not very much from Nigeria, and then it was about eighteen months later that you know that they sold him for like twenty million euros. Yeah. So, you know, Genk is a great place to develop, and he obviously, obviously did a great job with him. But you know, that's something I touched on in the book as well. That you know, more transfer funds or the all these massive funds aren't going to the clubs that started them or the you know the academies in Africa. They're kind of going in the European because you have to come to Europe and get. Uh, you know, to to get a big move to a big club, it's like a, there's a sort of pathway there that you have to follow, really. So yeah, yeah but indeed, he's a really interesting example. I think yeah, Nigeria have got some great players coming through at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, we've just seen um, Osimhen go to Napoli for what's close to an African record. So not no, well, it's in the top sort of yeah, it's over fifty five million, so not mm -hmm. not too far away. Yeah. Um, so they've got a good generation coming through, and so also Samuel uh, Chukwesi could be moving somewhere this summer. He's really exciting. Yeah, he's. I've I've seen some some clips of that Chukwueze. He, he he seems like a tricky player to play against. But Arsenal was someone I would have loved to have seen in the Premier League. But I I think I think he'll thrive in in Italy. I think he'll be a good player. Um, Reese, did you have any favourites in the uh, favourite African players in the uh, Premier League at the moment? I mean, being a being a Liverpool fan, you can't you know at the moment Salah Romane a hundred percent you know the my favourites. But um, when you look back, you know previous years. Uh, the silky skills and fancy footwork of JJ Kocha were kind of like dazzling at the time. You know that that he was playing playing in the Premier League for sure. He he was he was amazing. And uh, I mean, Ed, what 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 were yeah, your like I sort of? I forgot to mention JJ in my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you see, that's what I mean. There's so many that yeah, he was amazing as well. I think, and this was one of the as well as Yaboa, who I talked about earlier. It's one one player that Klopp picked out because they both were. Uh, well, they both started. They well, not started, but they both played in Germany really successfully, and then came to England uh, later on. But the, the thing about Kocha that I must say is that he he was, you know, he was more than just a, a, a showman. He was like a real leader. Uh, he, you know, Sam Allardyce said that he, you know he chose him as captain because he spoke all the language, you know, all the languages in that squad. But again, you probably don't remember in Bolton they had all these amazing players. Uh, it was like the first time that you know an English club had gone that cosmopolitan, if you like, and uh, Akocha was right at the centre of that. Yeah, so yeah, uh, it's a shame to see what has happened to Bolton ever since, though. Unfortunately, as soon as he left when they got relegated, and that's uh, you know it's been a real downward spiral since then. Yeah, obviously, I mean, once the, the, these clubs from from kind of yesteryear that that house some of the amazing. Players. I mean, obviously, like Leeds as well, having some, some amazing players there. And we're just kind of seeing a resurgence now for Leeds. Um, hopefully, you know, I think them coming up this season, we mentioned it in a couple of episodes ago. If you haven't seen that, please, please go check it out. But, like, I think Leeds are going to bring in some very interesting rivalries next season. So it will be good to see some clubs come back on the rise. But Bolton's certainly a club which got affected by, by, by you know, the, the, the run of form and a cotcher leaving was almost the kind of the final nail in the coffin, I think. But, and again, if someone like that to have graced the Premier League, you know, if he would have been in today's market again, I, I wouldn't want to think about how much he would have gone for. Obviously, with transfer fees and, and inflation now, I mean, I, I think he would have gone for quite a lot of money. Yeah, he but, was he was an African transfer record. I think he, when he went to PSG, 
from Germany. I think it, I think that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember how much it was, but it was about eight million or something like that. It was certainly like single figures. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now we're seeing, you know, where well, Pepe is now the record African transfer. But um, well, who's, we'll see if, <laughs> what happens. This, <laughs> there's a few around, like Koulibaly, maybe. Be, uh, he, he certainly is up for sale this summer. So. Yeah, that's that's someone who I I think a lot of clubs would be very interested in having in the Premier League. You know, if 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 Virgil Van Dijk's arguably first, I mean, he's got to be they they've got to be close, haven't they? He's his his playing style and his his defensive attributes, I think, would slot really well into a Premier League club. Um, and yeah. you, you mentioned potentially he could be potentially on for sale this year. Do do do, do you think you know we're talking around over a hundred million? Do you think potentially a bit a bit less or? Yeah, I think no. I think it's about eighty million or something like that, which would be a new African transfer record because prices have come down, and also I think he's at the age where like uh, you know it's time to cash in on all the talk. There's been a lot of talk about him, and if he doesn't go this summer, I think that you know it's kind of getting a, getting a bit too old now. But you know he played with uh, Mane when they were very young at uh, uh, at Metz in France, and Koulibaly um, was rejected as a youngster. So, you know, grew up in France. He plays for Senegal, and uh, just shows you what you what you can do if you put your mind to it. You know, he was written off as a player, but went off and proved himself. I think in Belgium as well. With I think he was at Genk as well, actually, um, and and has obviously made his name in Italy as well. Probably one of the best defenders in the world. So, but yeah, I think it's going to be they're going to have to pay a lot of money to get somebody like that. And it's you know, with United looking like they're going to get Sancho. Um, it's like who who's going to spend the money on the defender? Maybe Chelsea. I don't know if they have that kind of money after all the money they've already spent. So, as yeah. as a United as a United fan, I was going to say like it's it, it, you, you've seen all the rumors recently. I mean, obviously, you just you yourself have been posting a lot of stuff on Twitter about it. But it's amazing to hear you say it actually on the podcast because it's it's a transfer that I'm extremely excited about. So it's very cool to hear that yeah. um, being mentioned. But um, if 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 we do talk about a little bit about what we've got coming up in the summer. Obviously, like we said before, transfer window is it's one of the, the the more exciting times to be a football fan. It's very interesting to see who's going to go where. And there's a lot of stuff recently in the rumor mill, which definitely has been uh, spoke about quite a lot. And a good place to start on, I think, would be um, Serge Aurier. You mentioned that uh, there are a few clubs um, searching around, especially in Italy, for Serge Aurier. Yeah, I think. Well, I think it's Milan basically that want Aurier and. Uh... Monaco, I think, have been mentioned as well. But yeah, I think, you know, even though he's been playing quite a lot under Mourinho, uh, he's, yeah, it, they, they want, they, they quite like to get a new right back. But for me, if you look at, you know, you look at Tottenham's fullback situation, that's really where they're, all the issues have, have, have stemmed from. Uh, with, you know, Trippier being allowed to go to Atletico and then Rose being, you know, just frozen out of the team and, you know, not then sent on loan in January. Um, those were the two that started the Champions League final, and I think you know they're not the they're not, it's not an amazing combination, but they're not they're not bad. They're certainly better what they had last season, and they really struggled with in that position. So it's definitely something they need to sort out quickly. And I think you know Aurier's pretty good going forward, but I think you know he's a bit of, become a bit of a calamity figure at the back for some yeah. some fans. So uh, yeah, probably time to move on if they can. Yeah, definitely. And, I think, 
Oh, you know, go, go on, go on. Um, I was just, you know, speaking of the Spurs, you know, fullback situation. Who do you think like would be the best suited for that role? Like, would you, do you would you think they'd look to the Eredivisie and try to go for someone like Tagliafico, or maybe they do sort out that right back position and go out, you know, searching elsewhere? Yeah, I think he's he's one that's been linked, and I'm not sure where where he's going to go. But I mean, it's now Jose sort of calling yeah. the shots, so you know, somewhat. I'm sure he's got his eye on somebody somewhere. <laughs> But Rose, interestingly, Rose said he'd quite like to play, and I wonder if with Mourinho now back there, now there, whether there might be you know different attitudes towards him because Rose has still got something to offer. He might not. I mean, you know, he's still. I mean, it's a long time since England played, but probably England's left back at the moment. I mean, Chilwell's pushing hard and has played the last couple of games actually thinking back, but Rose was still in in and around it, so. Maybe they can they can sort that out, but also the interesting what what they can do with Sessignon at Spurs because he's been he was a left back, and he's supposedly not even in the picture as a player as a left back now. So um, yeah, hopefully he can get a few more chances next year because he's a really he was a really exciting player. So yeah, I find it's almost frustrating with Sessignon because I mean when when he played that that amazing season at Fulham, obviously coming from left back and pushing forward, he had so many goal contributions. And, you know, that left-wing position at Tottenham at the moment is obviously, I think, quite occupied by, by, by Son. And obviously they've got um, other wingers, you know, like Bergwijn and, and Lucas at the club as well. Uh, mainly right-sided, but, you know, can potentially be deployed on the left. But I think if Sessegnon wants to really break into that Tottenham team, I'd, I'd personally love to see him have a go at left-back. I, I, th- I think it's there for the taking, especially with Danny Rose currently kind of up in the air. We're not really sure currently what his situation is. But I think Sessegnon could have a really good shot going at left-back, I think. Yeah, I just don't think Mourinho sees it, like lights him as a, as a left back as a defensive defensively, but it could be yeah, we'll we'll see. It's a shame because yeah, like I say, he was he was really highly rated and expected to be you know this crop of youngsters that we've got. He was very much at the forefront of that. And, yeah, you know, so let's hope he can make some progress next season. Definitely. Uh, one of the other transfer rumors that I've seen you've um, posted about on, on your Twitter was. Um, Eze from from QPR. There was a twelve million bid rejected. Um, I wondered if if you knew any more a little bit about that and maybe the the circumstances around that kind of situation. Yeah, just the, that's it basically. If I think we QPR are just you know waiting for any more bids and Palace have been tracking him for a very long time. I know that for certain. And uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be really exciting if Palace can get him. But then there are a lot a lot of clubs around who who want him as well. Um, but I think that again. The, the main thing about the transfer market this year is, you know, everyone isn't sure how much they've got even now. So, you know, and also, you know, it's quite a long window. We've got till October. So things don't necessarily have to happen now, although obviously clubs want to get players in for the pre, the small pre-season that they've got. So I think we'll see a bit of a flurry like we're seeing now at the moment. And then once, and also maybe a little bit after European competition's over and then, you know, once the season starts, there'll probably be more down to a trickle. And then at the end, there'll probably be a bit of a rush when once, you know, things have balanced out. But yeah, in terms of Eze, I think he will move probably, but it's uh, it's a waiting game, I think. It's probably just, just, although, you know, it's not, Palace aren't far away from what QPR want. So you'd hope that they would maybe push the boat out. But again, you know, they've got a very big wage bill at Palace. And I think they probably need to get rid of a couple of players before, uh, before they commit to, to that, like Mamadou Saku, you know, they'd quite like to get rid of him off the, the wage bill. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. 
Yeah, I think a, a big um, you know rumor regarding Crystal Palace has been floating around for the last couple of seasons. I, I, I thought that he would have potentially got the move last year, but it's obviously Wilfred Zaha. Um, as a you know a, a guy who wears the Ivorian colours at international level as well, and, and a great player, I think a great servant for Crystal Palace. You know, having a couple of stints at the club after the you know what what United just in my opinion didn't deploy him. We didn't give him the time really, but he went back to Palace and obviously did such a good job. Um, Ed, would you say now's a good time for for Zaha to maybe move on and push for that big move? Well, I don't know if you know I'm a Palace fan, so. Uh... Uh, Slightly sentimental. No, no, not at all. I've, I just, you know, this is like might be my main transfer interest over the last uh, seven years or so. Always <laughs> yeah. the same way with him signing a new contract. But um, now, listen, I'd love him. I'd love him to go. Actually, I think you know most Palace fans would like to see him given a chance at the highest level. But the thing is, I've, always, I've been saying that for the last couple of years, and we're now approaching the time where it's almost too late for him to go to to the biggest level to the highest level although I think he's good enough to but you know he's 27 already so um, and he earns a lot of money at Crystal Palace so it's going to be hard it's going to be hard for clubs to match what he earns and pay a tr- big transfer fee as well because I mean I know there's been a lot of reports that 40 million is what Palace would take for him now I'm not I'm not sure if that's true or not because last summer definitely he was 80 million so uh yeah, I'm not sure if he's lost that much value in, in a year. But one thing I would say about him is uh, I'd like to... He, he played okay towards the end of the season, but he didn't have his best season because he was obviously unhappy not being at the club. Uh, sorry, not not having got the move. But I would have liked... He could have done a bit more, hopefully, because Palace, you know, uh, were with Jordan Ayew, played quite well last season. But I, Zaha was not... He, he still had... Still Palace's best player, probably, at times, but... Yeah, it just wasn't quite wasn't quite there to, to persuade teams to play him to to pay that much money for him, you know. Yeah, I think again, it's last season. I think that was when, in my in, in my opinion, the ideal time for if he did want to progress. I think last season definitely had the opportunity there, mm. but I feel like I I think he could have still a very fruitful career staying at Palace. So I, I think um. You know, there's there's a bit of talk potentially around Roy Hodgson's position at Palace, and potentially I've heard maybe a couple of other managers maybe being touted. But I feel like if if you know the Palace have a good summer, get get a few other players, and I feel like that could be enough to to keep him happy at the club. What to keep Roy Hodgson there? Uh, to, to, uh, I think it like um. Sorry to keep Wilf there, right? Yeah, maybe I think uh, there's a lot of question marks about Roy himself because of his uh, because you know he's only got a year left. And and the end of the season wasn't wasn't that positive because they you know <laughs> lost seven in a row and then drew on the last day. So, uh, but yeah, I think Palace are at least showing you know with Eze going back to him that they're, they're showing that they I, I think that's the right kind of profile player they want to sign. They, they should sign like one of the best players in the championship. He's from South London, and um, just think he would fit in quite well there. Um, but yeah, in the long term, it's it's. It's it's hard to see with Roy Hodgson, you know, where, how long he's going to go on for. So I think you hope that Palace have got somebody maybe in mind to take over for him at some point because he, you know, he can't go on forever. Although pretty much you've got a very solid chance of staying up with Roy Hodgson. I think next season is going to be quite quite um, competitive actually because you know some some pretty good teams coming up. Um, so yeah, we we'll see. 
you know, I think we're in for, for an interesting one next season. Um, a, a player that you were quite uh, interested in, Reese, a centre mid target for Liverpool. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, someone that's been kind of rumoured to be leaving. Uh, well, he, he's not signing a new a new deal with Bayern Munich, and that's Thiago uh, Alicantra. Uh, would you see like uh, I know a lot of the the rumours are that he is uh, potentially Liverpool bound. Do you see that he would be a signing that Jurgen Klopp would be interested to, uh, interested to make? Yeah, I think he he's he is supposed to be interested in him. Um... I'm not sure whether they're that interested or not. Liverpool are keeping it very quiet, but I'm, they, they, I wouldn't be surprised if they did have something surprise up their sleeve, um, like a, a move, you know, because obviously they didn't go for Werner in the end. But the thing about Alcantara is, I mean, he's a brilliant player, but I'm just not sure if it fits in with, uh, you know, Keiter was, was uh, who's somebody who's covered quite a lot in the book, um, my book, sorry. Uh, he he was really playing well towards the end of the season and showed what, it was, what all the fuss was about, why they paid so much money for him having taken a long time to settle. So I'm not sure how that would fit in with another midfielder arriving. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see because he's a really brilliant player. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, like I, said, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool did, did buy someone. I know they're looking for a defender, certainly, because mm-hmm. Lovren has, um, has left. So, uh, But whether it will be sort of more experienced or somebody a bit younger, I think we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to find out. Yeah, definitely, and you know, you do raise a good point. You know, Liverpool have got an abundance of central midfield talent. You know, Fabinho, Henderson, Keita, uh, Jimmy, Ginny Wijnaldum as well. And then, if they were to bring in Thiago, they'd have quite the trouble of who do they bring in. I know they want to feature Curtis Jones a lot more as well, like with him coming in through the ranks as well. So it would be quite the quite the you know. It would be a very, a very sticky situation for Liverpool to be in. Absolutely, and you mentioned the uh, the defensive, you know, you know, troubles that I mean, not troubles per se, but you know, replacing Lovren. Um, we spoke earlier about uh, Koulibaly. Do you reckon that Liverpool would be interested in in going for you know, splashing the cash on on him? Well, you never know, but I don't, I don't think so because he's expensive. Yeah, and he's he's getting up, getting on. He's still really good mm. and everything, but. I, I think he, he really likes Joe Gomez as well as Klopp, doesn't he? And also Matty was a bit injured towards the end of the last season. But yeah, I think they, they will sign somebody young, I reckon. They've been linked with Ozan Kabak, someone I know who's working on, his, you know, his, his agent told me that he's, you know, bona fide interest. So, but we'll see. There's a lot of other names around as well that they're supposedly looking at for young defenders. So yeah, we'll see. One move which was um, it's, it's pretty concrete now, I'm thinking, is looking again, um, reported by yourself and I believe Fabrizio Romano as well, was Alexis Sanchez to Inter Milan being made pretty pr- pretty concrete on, on a permanent move now. Um, do you think that's a move which can benefit Inter Milan and Manchester United in the long run? Uh, yeah, well, definitely. I think you, it's interesting, actually. The move for Sanchez is basically allowing United to go to for Sancho. So, similar names, but... Uh... Yeah. And you know, he was earning so much money at, um, at United, and it's, you know, it's got to be one of the biggest. He's a great player as well, Sancho. I don't really understand what happened at United, but he, yeah, lost his hunger or whatever. But yeah, it was it's a big flop, really. You know, they spent so much money on it, but at least United can say that they've got uh, got out of it with two years left. Unlike you know, if you compare it to Urzel at Arsenal, who's just sitting there not playing, doing anything. At least, at least United have been proactive about it and managed to find. A solution which they've managed to, you know, lessen their loss. They've, they've spent a lot of money on someone who's not done much for them, but he's going to move on, and that means they can bring in Sancho. And now they've got, you know, once if, if Sancho arrives, and uh, that they'll have four really great 
uh, forward to compete for three places. So, and with yeah. a couple of others in reserve. So yeah, that's a good business thing. And obviously, United have the money to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, should be quite good business. And, and in terms of Sanchez, who knows if he can you know, recapture that Arsenal form at, uh, uh, in Italy? But that's where he obviously began his career with Udinese. So. Maybe maybe he he still has got something left. He's not that old, really, is he? So he, no. he could be back. I think he still does have a lot to offer. I, I think the Syria definitely suits his kind of where he is in his career at the moment. I think it'll be interesting to see if he can become a regular starter at Inter Milan. But um, lastly, like uh, we have mentioned a couple of times before in the talk, obviously Jaden Sancho. That is the story which is definitely setting the world alight. Um, as uh, such a, a big money money deal, it's always going to have a lot of uh, a lot of coverage. I'm, I'm for one delighted. I think he's, he's someone who I feel like there are definitely other areas that United need to work on, in my opinion. But as a young, talented, you know, English player coming to the club, you know, and he, he, he's, he's set the world alight in another league, which is really, you know, good to see as well. It's good seeing the youngsters go out and broaden their horizons a bit. But coming back to 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 England and coming back to Manchester United for, for me, I think is an incredible move. And Ed, I believe the fee that there's been there's been a bit of a discussion about the fee around ninety million is is what I think we're looking at for now, but potentially rising up to around one hundred twenty, maybe. Uh, no, it's it's a uh, ninety million uh, yeah pounds, so hundred million uh, euros, which is actually just exactly I just looked yesterday. It's exactly that hundred to ninety at the moment. Anyway. Um, and um, yeah, 20 million euros in in uh, in add-ons. Well, sorry, I don't I didn't look that that up in pounds. So it's probably what is about 17 or something. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, but the deal would be structured over a few years. But you know, that's not uncommon these days. Like you know, Arsenal with Pepe mm-hmm. over four years, I think. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a good deal. I think the the personal deal, uh, personal terms, um, are still not not agreed, but will be. Should, shouldn't be a problem. I don't know actually how much he's going to earn or anything, but it's really interesting. The dynamic of it is the most interesting thing, though. Obviously, we talked about it. It's very exciting, but the, the, the Man City thing and the fact that he's coming back to Manchester to play for United, having, you know, walked away from City and, you know, he's good mates with Phil Foden, who's, you know, the, the guy that stayed and did get the chance. So that's great, a great storyline. And also, you know, Jaden Sancho, they talk about humble footballers. I mean, when I interviewed him last year in Dortmund with other journalists, well, he was just so he was he seemed very humble, and, he, and hopefully he can can keep that with that you know massive price tag around his head and you know all the attention he's going to get. But I'm sure he won't because you know he's very uh, again he knows a lot about his community and he goes back there a lot. He does a lot for his, his local community, which is I'm I'm also from South London, not too far away from where, I, where I'm from, and just you know really a lot of pride I think in that area when if he does make the move to such a big club, you know, it'd be, be great for him and uh, and for England maybe as well, you know, to have um, Rashford and uh, Greenwood and Sancho playing together. It'd be quite quite good for Southgate. Yeah, on, honestly, this, I'm, I'm loving this. This is, it's, 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 it's just, it's a really exciting time to hear about it. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's very cool. Very, very cool stuff. Um, and then another one that I think well, me and Reese are quite vested in as well. We're very interested to see what happens with him is Ben Chilwell. There's a lot of talk around Chilwell. I think, again, him, definitely him and Rose have been kind of England's more prominent left-backs, I think. But Chilwell, in my opinion, is potentially rising, just fighting for that starting spot for England now. 
around. I mean, we're hearing all sorts of fees, but we're hearing Chelsea are the club that are interested. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, as far as I know, yeah, I don't know much about that one, but yeah, I know that they're in, they're uh, they're interested. But Leicester, you, you saw with Mar, remember the Mares uh, affair and how long it took them to to you know to City to get him, and they mm. went wanted to go on strike and things. And Leicester want big money. Maguire, look at Maguire. You know they want and indeed we mentioned indeed they want big money for players because they're it's selling to a rival now, isn't it? They're you know they're they're up there. So I imagine it's, I don't know, but I imagine they want a lot of money for him. So, but Chelsea seems to have, have some money. So uh, who knows? But, you know, you'd have thought that Lampard would be wanting to make at least one defensive signing, having signed all these, uh, all these forward players or midfielders. Yeah. So, so far, Chelsea, have, I mean, attack-wise, they're looking quite terrifying. I think they've, they've signed a lot of people and obviously still rumoured interest for Kai Havertz as well, which, you know, is, isn't confirmed, but there's definitely... Uh, interest there do you, do you see oh, that yeah, one going over the line i think that's it's a, you know it's not done yet but i mean they're they're, they're expecting to, to buy him so but we'll see if it gets done because it's, it's kind of going the longer things go on i suppose the more doubt there is over them but then at the same time there's a lot you know it's just so busy at the moment there's matches leverkusen have got to play in the europa league i think they want him to play in the europa league if possible so it might delay things a little bit with that one yeah but potentially, you know, so much exciting stuff to come. Um, Ed, thank you so much for being on this week's podcast. It has been absolutely fantastic having you on. No worries. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure. And we will, of course, be linking Ed's information in the bio below if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. It would mean an awful lot to us. Um, you can check us out on our Twitter at Pundits Average on Instagram at The Average Pundits. Uh, we have a Facebook page as well. You can like and get information on there as well. And if you want to ever contact us about coming on the podcast, we are The Average Pundits at Outlook.com. Um, as always, Reese again, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Once again, as always, thank you so much to Ed for, for joining us today. And make sure you go and get Made in Africa. Fantastic book, fantastic read for anybody who is interested in football in general. Brilliant. And we will see you guys next time.